Exciting news, everyone! The Introvets Podcast Merchandise Store is now open for summer 2023. You can find the store by going to our website, that's www.introvets.com, and clicking on the Merchandise tab at the top. We are working with a super awesome local company called Apparel Lab. The current offerings will be available for order through September 12th. But we do plan to do more orders throughout the year, including some seasonal items for fall and Christmas. But go ahead and check the store out. You can also find more information about the merch launch on our social media. I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to Introvets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. Welcome, everybody, to Introvets Podcast. Hello. Today, we have a special guest for you, Dr. Lori Fonkin is a licensed psychotherapist who has been working with veterinary professionals for the past 15 years. She was Director of Health and Wellbeing Programs for the College of Veterinary Medicine and Biomedical Sciences at Colorado State University for 13 years. Dr. Funken is currently offering support to veterinary professionals through her work as a private consultant and in her role as a board member of the Veterinary Hope Foundation. Welcome back to the podcast, Dr. Funken. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's really great to be here again with you and JJ. We're happy to have you again. We are. It's so good to hear from you. I always enjoy our uh, time together on the podcast so much. How have you been since we talked with you last? Yeah, I think it's been over a year. Um, Things have been going well, and uh, I've kind of done a lot of resorting of what uh, where I want to focus my energy and attention and. I retired from CSU a couple of years ago, and it took me a little while to kind of find my direction. And so uh, doing more consulting and webinars and starting to do some more in-person workshops and seminars, and then also as a board member on the Veterinary Hope Foundation, really focusing in on veterinary well-being in a kind of a new direction instead of just talking a lot about what all the issues are, because we can all probably recite those really looking at some specific steps we can take to to address those and change those in our own lives and hopefully influence the profession. So it's been kind of a journey of self-reflection and really maybe even using the hope uh, kind of framework of what are my goals and how do I want to get there and what do I need to do? So yeah, it's been good. You mentioned the Veterinary Hope Foundation. Uh, let's just remind everybody what that is and what sort of work you do there. The Veterinary Hope Foundation is a foundation that was uh, started in the spring of 2021 by a couple of veterinarians, Dr. Blair McConnell and Dr. Elizabeth Chosa. And um, they connected at a time when there had been a series of losses in the profession, death by suicide, and uh, not only veterinarians, but technicians and So they really wanted to look at what they could do personally uh, to make a difference. And through conversations, they decided to form the Veterinary Hope Foundation, and they reached out to several other veterinary professionals and um, established a board of directors for the Veterinary Hope Foundation. And I was able to join that in uh, summer of 2021. So really 
the goal was to pull together not only veterinary professionals, but uh, well-being professionals as well who understood veterinary medicine. So it's not just veterinarians doing all the work, but we have the mental health support as well and the, um, the information and expertise from that side. So together we've been working now for a couple years, and our main goal in, initially was really to just do an analysis of what was going on out there, what might people need or want. And then we started support groups for veterinary professionals in September of 2021. So since that time, we've been offering affinity groups uh, for veterinary professionals. We started with DVM Moms Group, which is something that Dr. Chosa is uh, started and is very engaged in. And we've run groups then for other affinity groups like um, AABP. And we've had a grief and loss group. So we're looking at technician groups. And so we're really spreading out to offer groups to more affinity affinity groups for folks. So we run these groups and working on getting the word out, hoping to grow in not only the groups that we run and the folks that we reach, but also in the area of doing some education and uh, resources around, you know, some of the topics that we work on at the Hope Foundation. When you say affinity groups, it sounds like you mean uh, things that you have in common with others. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So we'll do a group for uh, veterinary office managers. We'll do a group for practice owners, uh, shelter veterinarians. So we're trying to pull people together that have similar experience uh, through their professional work. And uh, of course, the groups have been done by Zoom. One, we were in the pandemic. Two, it's also a great way to reach people across the country. So we can have a group. Groups are usually eight to 10 people, and they meet for six weeks, uh, usually in the evening over Zoom. So we can have folks from uh, all across the country. They all have the same uh, practice focus, say, shelter vet which may be a different experience than AABP uh, group members. So it's nice to pull those affinities together because the language is, is similar and they, they have an instant connection and understanding. So how are the groups formed? So if people are interested in joining a group or finding out more about the groups, they can go to the uh, Veterinary Hope Foundation website, which is veterinaryhope.org. And on that website, there's information about Veterinary Hope Foundation. There's also a link they can click to fill out a registration form. And what that does is just get their general information, their area of practice, maybe gives them some information on upcoming groups. And then we have a program director that we hired in February of 2022. So she takes all of those applications, basically, and then splits them out depending on uh, affinity and time of day and things like that. And then she'll send folks information on upcoming groups for that specific interest. And so then folks can look and see that there's three groups starting. There's one starting in August, one September, and look at the time of the group and then decide which one they might want to join. And then they just need to reach out and contact Krista Martin, who is our program coordinator, and she will set them in the groups and uh, get those set up that way. And these groups are offered completely free? Yes, there's no cost for the groups. I guess really the only thing that folks need to have is access to a computer or phone with a Zoom link on it. 
we do like folks to commit to the six sessions because one thing that's been found through research and one of our goals is to pull people together and create a network of support. And I ran three pilot groups from September through December of 2021. And we gave people uh, a way to communicate amongst themselves so they were all connected uh, virtually. And so of those three groups, I believe they're all still meeting. After the six weeks ended, they could continue to meet if they wanted to. It's not required and people don't have to stay involved. But each of those groups has continued to stay in contact with one another, not only through maybe texting or email support, but also through meeting um, every month or every other month as a, as a group uh, that they formed. So one really important piece to this whole thing is uh, the strength of the community that's formed through these six sessions and how strong that bond is and how these folks have been able to continue to connect and reach out and support one another through whatever it is, you know, the joys and challenges of of practice and life. Uh, a lot of the things we talked about were not necessarily practice related, right? It's also about life. So I think that's one of the, the real beauties of the group is uh, we ask people to commit to the six weeks. And then after that, they can kind of determine how they want to move forward. But that strengthens the bond they have. Do you have a, um, a fair amount of technicians that are in groups? We just started offering to veterinary technicians, so we are gathering those uh, assessments, you know, those uh, inquiries from folks and setting up dates and times. And we want to make sure that the group has enough folks to make it meaningful. So we have to have at least six, I think, participants registered before we'll actually launch a group and then um, go from there. So once we have um, enough people for the the time slot will launch the group. And we are in, in um, we're working on that right now for the veterinary technicians. That's in progress. Yeah. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned affinity groups earlier, but I know that you have some other types of groups that are more like uh, psychoeducational, maybe subject-based. Can you tell us a little bit about those as well? Yes. Um, the only one we've done so far is the grief and loss group. So the common affinity there would have been um, an experience of grief and loss in, you know, that they wanted to bring forward or that they were working on. And uh, Krista actually facilitated that one. It was very well received. And so that would be an example of a group that is more focused on a topic area versus the affinity. And we're looking at starting um, more groups like that, um, LGBTQ and some other uh, groups that may not be in the same area of practice, but then have another kind of affinity that brings them together so they have that common common experience. So looking at the website, it looks like there's some self-care groups, maybe some focused around values and meaning, work-life integration, those sorts of things. Uh, are all of those off the ground currently? So actually what those are, are those are the topics that or the themes that run the six sessions. I see. Okay. Yep. So one, two, so three. Oh, that the makes time, sense. Yeah. During right. the six weeks, we'll look at uh, work-life integration. We'll look at health, healthy boundaries, um, self-care, imposter phenomenon. So we have a theme that, that will uh, guide the discussion. These are support groups. So there's a difference between a therapy group and a psychoeducational group and a support group. The support group is facilitated by a licensed mental health professional, but it's not therapy or psychoeducation. So we'll 
put out information, let's say, on uh, imposter phenomenon, and folks have access to reading up on that beforehand, and then we'll discuss a little bit about what it is, what it feels like, how you know you have it. People can give examples of things in their life when they've felt it. So really, that's about as much information as we give folks, and then the the members of the group really guide and, um, well, not they really channel the discussion to personalize it to what their experience is. Gotcha. So in, uh, say, for example, the grief group that you mentioned, that group, the affinity group, everyone's going through sort of a period of grief. Inside that group, they would cover these six topics. Well, that one is different because that it's specifically different. Okay. grief and loss. Yeah. So that okay. one is a okay. little bit different. So um, I gotcha. Krista put together a uh, series of themes around grief and loss, what it looks like, what it feels like. You know, uh, we have myths about grief and how long it should last and all those kinds of things. But what's the reality of grief? What's the process of grief? How do we grieve personally? How do we grieve with someone else? So those, that's a theme-based group. So that's a really good distinction. Yeah. And of course, self-care comes into that and boundaries and all of those kinds of things, but that's not, they don't follow the same six topic areas. We're starting to develop, I would say, phase two of topic areas. So folks that have even gone through a group already with these six themes will have a new six themes coming up to maybe expand on what we've already put out there. So Chris is in the in the middle of kind of defining those and creating those as well. So that's an area of growth for us. That's fantastic. What do you feel like is uh, future endeavors with the Hope Foundation? Yeah. It's interesting to talk about this because the word hope is so critical to our mission, right? It's in our name. <laughs> and um, I really see hope as a verb. It's an action that we're taking moving forward. And so if you think about when Dr. McConnell and Dr. Chosa first got together, they had hope. They had a vision for a future-oriented goal that they wanted to reach. And then they created a pathway to do that, which was establishing the Veterinary Hope Foundation. And pulling that board of directors together was the path to reaching their goal. And um, and then they had the agency or the ability to continue to do that, to find a way of moving toward what the goal was that they set. And so that's kind of what we've been doing. And so we've been in place now for a little over two years, and we're kind of in that. It's, it's interesting because we're setting our next goal. And so that, in my mind, is maybe, I don't know if it's the same as everyone on the board because we're still kind of fleshing that out. Our 2023, 20, uh, one of our main goals is to really spread the word about the foundation. So this is one way that we're doing it, to get more people engaged and involved in the support groups, and really then to use those folks also to say, what else would you like, right? What, How else can we be of support? So some of the things I envision for the future would be more, maybe some psychoeducational sessions, although we haven't really spe- specifically put that out there. And... Um, and growing the number of theme areas or topic areas, reaching out to different uh, affinity groups, emergency and critical care veterinarians, for example, or zoo vets, also looking at maybe programs for interns and residents. Uh, we're gonna, we haven't d- decided to branch into students yet, but I think there's a really good opportunity for new grads. I mean, that'd be a great affinity group because finishing vet school and starting 
work or whatever. It, it, there's a you kind of go from a place where you have a lot of resources and support to maybe not so much. So that might be another area. So expanding those affinity areas that we can offer groups in is another another thing that we're looking to. So hopefully we'll hear a lot from our past participants on this would be really helpful. We also partner with or are trying to work with more consolidators or more companies or organizations, and they can say, this would be great for our onboarding. Maybe we can do six-week sessions for our new vets or our new staff. And um, so we're looking at expanding in those areas. The beauty of the Veterinary Hope Foundation is that we have the flexibility to really, if someone comes to us with an idea, we can say, okay, let, let's look at that. Let's see how we can make that fit for you. And we we have the flexibility and the expertise to be able to kind of say, yeah, we can we can do this for you and let's try it out. We can pilot it. If it doesn't work, we can reassess. So we're kind of a living example of what hope in action looks like. So with the online support groups, I know some people you know, might be a little bit hesitant because they're thinking I'm going to share personal information potentially, you know, with these people that I don't know, but it's such a small profession, you know, things like that. Um, what sorts of uh, maybe confidentiality issues can you address? And uh, do you maybe match people to groups that are in different geographic areas, for example, to sort of keep it more anonymous in a way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a really uh, good point. And we have uh, group guidelines that we share with every group, and we ask that every group member stick with the guidelines. And one of those is confidentiality. That's really important. Uh, As you know, the profession is not that large, and so people need to feel safe. And we've created a safe container for folks to share things that they might not normally share with each other. And so the confidentiality is the piece that we emphasize, and we talk about it throughout the six weeks, in that if a story is shared here, it stays here, it's the other person's uh, story and their choice to share it if if they want to, and uh, no one's forced to say anything. So in the support area, it's the confidentiality, and then just the ground rule of we're not judging, we're not fixing anyone. No one's broken here. We all have our own experiences. We don't need to give advice necessarily. If people ask for advice or want advice, that's great. But we're not here to say, you know, well, here's what I think you should do about this, that, or the other thing, or here's what I did. Although sometimes those conversations come up just on their own organically, which is fine. But it's not really a group where we're trying to give advice or fix anything. We're really just sharing our experiences and then listening openly to each other and and holding a space for them to share their experience and hopefully feel comfortable and safe and heard. Uh, and then we always, you know, it was interesting if something came up one week, we'd check in the next week and say, how did that go? How'd that meeting go? Or, you know, how are you doing with this or that? So it really does become a supportive network. And there was another part to that question confidentiality and like do you separate people out based on geographic area trying to keep you know get people that are kind of further apart for maybe concerns about like competition or trade secrets or things like that yeah i don't think we've even had that issue uh, so far most people have been in different geographic locations 
there's also the opportunity if Krista offered a group and someone didn't feel comfortable maybe with some of the other people in the group, they could wait for another group. Or So she's really able to uh, support people and help them get into the right group for them. Yeah, but that is definitely something that's come up, especially if we look at working with one organization. Folks might know each other even if they work in different offices for that one organization. And so that they, that might not be as comfortable. Yeah. What is your favorite topic to cover or group to facilitate? The, the group on kind of values is really special because I think sometimes we forget why we got into the profession and the meaning of the profession and the values that we hold for the profession because we get into the midst of our work, which is kind of a nonstop stress response. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we kind of forget what brought us here and, and why, we, why we stay. Uh, so there's a reflective exercise that um, I like to do in that, that session that is about, you know, think of an object that uh, kind of defines or describes your work for you. And then uh, we look at the value behind that and the meaning and how people got that, that, that uh, object and how it kind of is a representation of who they are in their work, not just what they do. And so I really like having people remember, remember why they came and yeah. be able to state that and share that with others. And those stories are pretty powerful. And they're easy to forget when we're in the midst of, you know, <laughs> back-to-back Life. appointments or yeah. preg-checking cows or whatever <laughs> we're doing, you know. And it's like, why am I doing this? Yeah. I, I think it's so interesting that you picked that one because JJ and I just recorded an episode about personal identity and, and values and talked about some of the things that you can do, like exercises at home, like card sorts and... Mm-hmm. And things like that, like examining your preferred future and those sorts of things. So that that's really meaningful to me too. But I've never, I've never heard of the exercise of identifying with an object. But that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. And that's wonder, one that I do. Yeah. What would my object be? I had to think yeah. about this for a second. Yeah, but you're not supposed to think too hard. Not okay. So yeah. you just say like whatever is the the mm-hmm. closest thing that represents. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the card sort, the value card sort, and the and some of those things are things that are also in the curriculum for that topic. Yeah. Okay, so if I was going to say an object that represents me and how I show up in the workspace, oh, um, what, 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 what? So I'll show you mine. Okay, I'm ready. So I have this necklace that I wear. And I know the, our, the listeners can't see it, but it's a mom and two sons, basically, or two kids. Yeah. And to me, and it's kind of heart-shaped. So to me, that's the object that I always share in this exercise because it is connection, it's meaning and purpose, it's um, compassion and love and understanding. And um, I got it at a time in my life when I was going through a divorce, which was an ending. And it represented what the family was going to look like moving forward. So it was in a hopeful way. So that's the object that I, uh, that I bring and that in my work with veterinary professionals, I hope that I can offer them some sense of connection and 
knowing that they have what they need to move forward and deal with whatever they're dealing with and helping them reach that. So it's kind of a, an object that's grown for me over the years. I wasn't working in vet medicine when I got this necklace, but it just seems to be something that's been continuous throughout the years for me. So that's one example. That's really special. Yeah. I think after um, hearing you describe that, I'm going to say, it's kind of got a backstory to it too. So when I was in uh, high school, I, I was on the dance team, okay? And so your senior year, you had the opportunity to try out like as a solo performance. And, you know, if you made the cut, you would make like the all-star team. And so I worked really, really hard on this routine and I tried out and I made it. And it was like, I was so excited. It was a big deal. And so I had that medal hanging up in my room in my mom's house. And then the house burned down in 2010, my childhood home. And when (laughs) the house burned down, it was a, a total loss. But my dad spent hours, and my mom and dad had been divorced for probably, I mean, God, over a decade, maybe even 20 years at this point. But my dad would go out to the farmhouse with a bucket and a wheelbarrow and like a shovel and just shovel through the debris and then pick through it like one thing at a time. And in that way, he saved several of these really important things like photos that had been stored in a drawer that had all melted together, but he got his saw out, sawed the melted sides off, soaked it and peeled them apart and dried them. Like my dad was kind of funny that way, you know, but one of the things that he found in that process was that metal that I got. And so I was like, shit, like I'll keep it with me. So I actually keep it with me most of the time. And so for me, that represents like resilience and like coming through like fire and the trait of my dad that's my favorite being like not giving up because like who would dig through the ruins of a burned down house my dad (laughs) my dad Mm -hmm. would everybody was like you need to like throw in the towel you need to stop doing this because this is crazy but in doing it, devoting all of that time, even though people thought it was completely ridiculous, he actually unearthed really, really important things that now we have. Uh, so I think that would be the thing that I would pick. Yeah. And if you think about that, what you said of what it represents for you is resilience. I mean, you tried out for that dance team and you got on there yep. and you kept that medal for a reason because it represented uh, you achieving something. and. You continue to carry it with you and look at what you're doing. I mean, you continue to achieve new things and try new things. So, yeah. JJ, what would yours be? Uh, I was just sitting here thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The only thing that kind of comes to mind, I guess, might be a stethoscope. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds weird. I guess because, you know, it's kind of always hanging around. It's pretty reliable. It's not necessarily like, you know, the the flashiest thing that's in the room it's not a fun new toy or anything but it's still important and I, I try to be a a listener and that's what it's used for that's about the only things I could come up with on the fly yeah 
Well, that makes sense. It's something that's there every day and it's important. Here's your heartbeat, right? Yeah. Yeah, the objects. And I don't know that every group does the object exercise. I just like that one for the values and, and kind of staying connected to what brought you here. But they do have a lot of meaning. And then p- people can remember what other people shared because of the story behind it. And I think that's a big piece of these support groups is that no matter what our topic is or our theme for the for the week, the stories are so powerful. And uh, people really connect on that level and get to know each other, just like what we just did. We know new things about each other that we never would have known mm-hmm. and have a little bit of an understanding. So. I really value uh, support groups because I feel like if I'm going through something, hearing from someone else who's been through a similar thing, like makes me feel like, yeah, you know, like I'm not like out here on my own. There's like a, like a, what did they call it? Universality, like a commonality between people, even people who have dramatically different backgrounds. Many of us will experience similar things. And I know some people get kind of upset sometimes if, you know, they're they're sharing something that's happened and someone's like, man, I've been there, but I love it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, tell me all the ways that you've been here. Tell me exactly what happened. What did you do? How did you feel? Like, who was with you at the time? Like, that's one of my favorite things, actually, because it makes me be like, ah, I am not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Other people have come through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and looking at the research on... um well-being and mental health and difficulties that folks are having and people are disengaging so much now and for whatever reason the sense of community and connection that you're talking about is exactly the antidote to some of the despair and depression anxiety substance use whatever we're going to talk about that's pulling people away from their lives this is a way that people connect and that's probably one of the number one things that we hear in feedback. I realized I wasn't the only one. I realized I wasn't alone. It's nice to know that someone else just understands me. And uh, and it's really a protective factor for our, our well-being. If we look at anything, if we look at burnout or um, building healthy resilience or any of those things, connection is one of the things that's always listed. It's hard for people who don't like to go places or meet new people to have connection. Mm. It's hard for me anyway. I can speak for myself in that. I have a hard time like making myself go to mm-hmm. places. This is kind things. of nice because it's a little easier because people yeah. are at home in their living room. Sure. You know? Absolutely. And we ask that folks have their camera on if they can. You know, um, sometimes people can't always do that. But it feels a little less threatening than if you were going to go to something in person or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or with people that you run into on a regular basis or something, or maybe that work at the clinic up the road. I don't know. There might be kind of a a (laughs) kind of a difference there for me, like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a little bit more difficult to uh, to open up when when you're going to see each other at the grocery store too or something like it's a little yeah, bit weird yeah. the anonymity of the distance not being in the same towns is is nice too so how can we help get the word out about the hope foundation yeah i think i appreciate you doing the this uh podcast on it and um putting things on your website 
and I'll offer the opportunity for each of you to join a group in the future if you'd like to. Sure. Just so you have some experience. Word of mouth, I think, has been a big way that we've gotten uh, folks involved. So we just hired a part-time executive director and are really working now on marketing and communications through different veterinary organizations and um, publications and things like that. And I know you have a a link, I think you'll post uh, of a video call that Dr. Blair McConnell did and we have things that are coming out in little newspapers. And so I think the word is spreading. We're just trying to expand on that kind of marketing. But if you run into folks or you're thinking about it, it's on your, it's going to be on your page. I think that's great. A great way to just market it and let folks know. I wish there was some way to, I don't know, the Alabama Veterinary Technician Association is having a visitor CE and coming up very soon. And uh, I think it would be really wonderful to kind of like, hey, everybody, this is available mm-hmm. and it's free. So please take advantage because I know there's a lot of people that definitely could use it. And all they need to do is get on the website and click on that link and fill out that form. And then they're in the in the queue and they get information. That's awesome. Well, um, Dr. Funkin, what else do we need to know about the Veterinary Hope Foundation and your work now or the things that are available now or coming down the pipeline as far as resources go for vets and vet professionals? I think as far as the Veterinary Hope Foundation, we've cover the basics of, you know, we, we are right now running support groups. Uh, we have eight to 10 participants per group. There's six weeks. We do have all of our facilitators are licensed mental health professionals, and they do facilitate. They're not doing therapy or education, really. And it's an experiential process where folks obviously participate. If folks have questions, they can also email uh, through the website any questions they have. If they have an organization or a group and they're thinking, hmm, this sounds good, maybe we could do it, just email us and we'll meet with you and share what we do. And if you have a different format or some new ideas, we are willing to hear those and and see what we can do. Um, We have funding through several larger organizations, which has allowed us to do what we're doing right now. And so... We're going to continue to plan and grow. Uh, I would say in 2024, our our uh, strategic plan will look a little bit more um, probably towards some of the educational pieces. I, I can't guarantee that, but looking at what we're going to do in the future as we continue to work with this hope model of making a plan and, and, and bringing it to fruition, I think is really important for us as a board. And we've talked about this a lot is that our focus is on hope. It's we're looking towards the future and we're looking towards supporting others in being able to take action and set goals and find a pathway to meet their goal and finding what they need within them to to do that. I think any of us could pick up a number of publications or go to a number of meetings and hear about burnout and compassion fatigue and all of the things that the profession is facing. And I've done a number of those workshops and I'll continue to talk about and educate around those topics. 
but we really wanted to shift the conversation from what's wrong in the profession, what we kind of want to move away from, you know, what we're trying to escape. We wanted to move the conversation to what are we headed toward? What are we moving toward? What do we really want to see? And um, hope is really contagious. And so if you're around people that are hopeful and future thinking and making plans and finding ways to do things, uh, it tend, that's an energy that tends to be shared. And uh, the groups kind of, even on the hard days, there's a sense that there is a future that we can get to and it will be better than where we are today. And we're not stuck here. We don't have to just stop and stay stuck where we are. There is possibility. and. As a board, that's our that 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 drives us, right? And we use the hope model all the time when we're setting things up. What's our goal? How can we get there? Obstacle comes up. How are we going to get through that? Uh, who's going to do it? And let's go. And that for two years, we're still a pretty new organization, but I think the potential is growing, and uh, I can see that we might just uh, grow pretty quickly. Once the word gets out and we have plenty of facilitators to facilitate groups. So we're ready. It's kind of like, if you build it, they will come. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's here. We're ready. And, uh, so please, you know, feel free to join. I love that, um, idea about, you know, moving from a focus on what are we doing wrong or what's, why is this profession so hard, to what can we do to make it better? And it, I'm a very solutions-focused um, therapy practitioner. Like, that's my main therapeutic alignment. I love the idea of, like, the miracle question of, if you had a magic wand, if the miracle happened overnight, how would you know it was different? And I think that the answer for many people would be, I would be more at peace. I would be more hopeful about the profession and using that to drive the bus instead of, you know, the negative things. I think it's important to address some of the problems, certainly. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can address the problems by changing what you're doing and then being a model for other people. I personally would love to see things like veterinary co-ops. You know, and, and things like that emerging. Um, and those are the types of things that we can build if we drive the bus in the direction we want to go. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. And we don't, uh, we know veterinary work is hard. I mean, yeah. we say that right up front. This is a hard profession, right? And yes, there are high levels of burnout and disengagement and some of those kinds of things. And can we make it better? Can we move towards what we want it to be if we had that magic wand, right? What would my workday be like? Who would I be working with? Where would I be working? What would my clientele be like? Can we future orient ourselves and then find a way to get there, you know? And with support of other people who are going to say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. It was so interesting in the first group that I ran, they kept meeting and after the boundaries session, we each set a goal for a boundary, just a small one for the week, right? And we came back the next week and people had done done it. You know, even if it meant I left at five every day or 
I actually left the building when I had my lunch or I turned my cell phone off for this amount of time. And people had to report back and they did. And they were like cheering each other on all through the week. And then we got to our group and they're like, I did it. (laughs) And so um, just seeing that energy, like you said, if we can move forward towards something, what we want it to be and how do we get there? And will you go along with me, you know? Will you be there to make me accountable or for me to share my successes with? Yeah. Dr. Funkin, anything else that we need to be sure we cover before we wrap up the episode today? Just for folks to feel free to reach out and email that email because we will answer. Sure. Yeah. And I really appreciate your time. Well, we enjoyed having you very much. All right, guys. Well, that's about all the time we have for today. If you have questions, cases, or anything else you'd like for us to read, please send it to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and it's at introvets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help. It do. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.